Hey, well, uh, welcome to this talk today. We're going to do it a little differently as we jump in and answer questions. Um, we would do this at like with all of us live on the stage, but reality is we're at different campuses right now. And so we wanted to kind of unpack this uh, FAQ together, kind of like we would our talks. So how do you explain the way we do our talks? We're sitting at Starbucks. Starbucks, lots of coffee, and uh, a lot of it, you know, we, we get a big idea or scripture or whatever, and we talk about it, we kind of debate it, look at it, see from our own perspectives, and then somehow come up with something at the end of it that fits our yeah, culture. It and... all comes together, and so that's what you see on Sunday mornings. <laughs> <laughs> Works out pretty good. So it's yeah. like an inside view. You're getting an inside view of, of the, the chaotic mess of our, our, of our talks today. Just so everybody knows where we're at in different places. So I've been married for 12 years, almost 12 years in June. I have three kids under the age of six. So that's kind of where the like, life stage that I'm at. Uh, me and my wife, Danny have been married for six and a half years and we don't have any kids, but we have a three and a half year old dog, Walter. <laughs> Walter. Uh, let me look up my anniversary here. Okay. So just totally joking, hon, if you're watching this, uh, April 12th, 97, 20 years. We're about at 20 year mark here and we have four kids and no pets. We just couldn't handle anything additional, so we stopped at four. All right, this section of questions revolves around the topic of sex. And so we got a few of these questions sent in, and so we want to answer them for you. And so the first question that we got was, how do you go from having an argument at the end of the day and then go straight to wanting or having sex right afterwards? That's, I have no idea. That's what. <laughs> We said we said last week that we weren't experts. I don't uh, know. You guys tell you me. Uh, I'm, I'm going to take I'm, some I'm notes. I've never been in an argument, so. Well, there you go. You've perfected that. Like we said last week, Dana and I just have disagreements. Right. I think the easiest thing for guys is that we just want to have sex. Like, and so I think any opportunity that we get, uh, we go for it. And so if it happens to be after an argument, um, you know, I think that's the way it happens. Um, I, I think it, to a degree too, I think guys tend to play on emotions. Like we, we have a sense of where emotions are at and mm -hmm. arguments and fighting elevate those. Um, and so we're like, well, you know, we feel like emotionally guys, you know, we get in an argument with the wife or fight with the wife. We feel like emotionally we've done everything like We've said it, sorry, we, you know, the issue's been resolved. And so the feelings and the emotions went up and now like, where do we go from here? Well, for guys, how can I express love to my wife? Uh, it's sex. You know, well, goes, I was going to, I was thinking the same thing. It goes back to the physical touch as your love language. If that's actually the love language of one of the partners, right? The, right. the husband or the wife there, then you're going, uh, you're probably making that move because maybe the question is why would he try this or why would she try this? We've just had a fight. Let's go right. to that. Right. right. And uh, the reality is maybe that's their love language and they're assuming that's yours and you haven't quite figured that out or had that talk yet. Right. And so um, it's that's probably the why. 
Yeah. Well, and then I think I forgot the part in the question that is talked. The question was if we've had an argument, we've kind of resolved it and brought forgiveness for each other. How do you just automatically go to that aspect of it? So I think there's a difference. Like, is the conflict resolved or is the conflict, you know, still like right. you just haven't come to agreement about you know what's going on? Right. But I think I think it's also I think if you if you do have a fight or an argument or a disagreement. And there's resolution to that, and it's healthy resolution, and I think that's a great way to just kind of reinforce your love and your commitment to your spouse and your marriage is, is by having sex. I think that's a great way um, to kind of reinforce like, hey, you know, we're in this together, um, we're still one, we're united in this, and I think that's just kind of a, a, a way to physically express that. Last week, you know, we talked about sex isn't a weapon. And it says in 1 Corinthians 7, 5, Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So I think that, like, kind of helps understand that it's not a weapon. It's not something that, like, well... Yeah, our issues are over and we, you know, we dealt with our anger, we dealt with our fight, and now we're just going to go to bed cuz, you know, we're done. Yeah. You know, and so it's it's not something that we can hold over our spouse when it comes to, you know, fighting and disagreeing. And so I think it's a good way to just kind of end those fights and arguments. Awesome. So. Okay, so our next question is how many times does a normal couple have sex? And so I, there's I, no normal. So let's start yeah. there. <laughs> there's no normal, but we did like research this right at Starbucks. At awkwardly Starbucks. talking about this loud. Your voice carries. It was okay, entertaining so for a lot of people. It was there. for a bunch of people. The but then all of a sudden there were like that was weeks ago, and articles have been released. And USA Today did quoted a bunch of research and articles, and they said that uh, the happiest couples. Or, you know, the average couple has sex 68.5 times a year, which is a little over uh, once a week. But one-third of couples have sex less than 10 times a year. Well, and then there's no link to happiness. Right, there's no... Uh, so one of the things... Whether that, you're yeah. somebody in the one-third or whether you're in right, the 68.5, there's, there's, there's zero no links. Link to so in one of the studies that we read... There's zero links into how many times that you have sex a week and your happiness. So you might have sex like five times a week and that's normal for you. And you're probably not any happier than the person that has sex one time a week. Like there's, there's, no, there's no link at all to happiness or, or the more sex you have in happiness. Like it's, it's one time a week or, you know, five or seven, like there's no link to it. And so there's no, like there's, there's no number that we can say that's like, well, if you have sex X amount of times a week, uh, you know, your marriage yeah. is going to be better and you're going to be happier and everything's just going to be, you know, sunshine and roses. So realizing that there's no normal that like it can vary wildly between couples and stuff like that. What do you do, though, when you have a couple and one spouse might have a high sex drive and another spouse has a low sex drive or maybe it's just in the middle where they would say, you know what, my spouse likes to have way more sex than I do, or on the flip side, you know, my spouse doesn't like to have as much sex as I like to have. How do you resolve that sort of conflict? I think one of the things that we saw in a lot of our survey responses, and thank you, if you filled out a survey response, thank you so much for doing that. 
Um, I think one of the things, and, and obviously we had more women respond to the survey than men. And so we can get more information. Uh, if, it, if it feels slightly sliding towards women, uh, our, our little uh, statistics, statistics and, and talks here, uh, it's because dudes, you didn't fill out very many surveys. But um, one of the things that we saw for a lot of uh, women in their responses was that uh, if my husband would help me around the house or if take care of the kids for a little bit or do the dishes or lighten my list a little bit of the things I had to do, like I'd be way more apt to have sex with them or like I'd be way more, you know, like that's more of a turn on than like him coming home and like sitting on the couch or being on his phone or whatever it may be. And so like, I think when it comes to, uh, it, it's, it is a little bit of an assumption that most guys sex drives are higher than girls. Um, that's not always the case, but, um, I think one way that you can kind of maybe counterbalance that or, or bring, uh, you know, if you're a dude and you want your spouse to have more sex with you, uh, get off the couch would probably be, I think a safe, uh, statement to make of like, you know, help out with the kids, help out with the dishes, give the kids a bath. Um, you know, do some things that maybe you're not doing now that is less for your spouse to do. And you'll probably like raise that sex drive a little bit um you know we were talking know. we were talking before we hit record about the reality of oftentimes you get married and you have this discussion in like a a pre-marriage uh coaching or right. whatever you go through and you kind of go well what are you going to do well okay i'll do the dishes you're going to do the cooking we're going to share this we're going to do this and then years happen kids happen life happens right. and you've never gone in to halftime adjustments and right. you you are still doing the same things but it, like maybe like in our home Dana goes back to work and yet is she still doing everything she was doing before she went back to work that's not that's unbalanced right. so if I can it, we just need to sit down reevaluate where do we need help you know I, I need to get up and help the kids out the door that's crazy right. bill in our home you know and I'm not good at that I've been getting better but that's her then that's an act of service her love language right. you know so it's like trying to figure that out and then things are a lot better if I'm in line with that than if I'm still operating on the old playbook 20 years ago. Right. And uh, so I just think that that's part of that element. But uh, I also think if you're going back to the pinpointed question of what if I want it, you know, five times a year and they want it like every week, 52 times or more, you know, uh, you're just going meet in the middle. I mean, right. isn't that, that's the... Love isn't self-seeking. Love is about giving the other what they need. And, and you so. have to, like, you have to talk about it. Yeah. Like, it can't just be like, you know, you get in bed and like, hey, I'm going to rub your back and, you know, that's, I, I expect it. Like, I, you might actually have to have like a serious, legitimate conversation with your spouse of like, hey, this is, you know, this is something that I need. This is something that, you know, or... Like, hey, I can't, I, like, I can't, five times a week is too much, you know? Yeah. Like, you have to have a conversation. And I think, like, First Corinthians does a great job just talking about what love is because, you know, sex is, is an expression of love. And in First Corinthians uh, 13, 4, it says, Love is patient and kind. It's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable and it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice but rejoices wherever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. And so I think like talking about sex and how much 
like how many times you want to have it or how often you want to have it and, and how many your spouse may not want to have it. Um, it's healthy to do. It's a healthy conversation. Yeah. Well, and that verse I think really brings up what we talked about, I think two weeks ago with the whole, like putting the circle around yourself and like, what am I going to do in my own self to like realize the problems in my marriage are probably pointing right back at right. me. And so I think like for this works best when both couples draw that circle around right. themselves and say, okay, what can I do to serve my spouse? What do I need to work on in my life that serves my spouse? And I think that's a perfect verse to kind of explain that is like when I'm looking at myself, when I'm realizing then we can meet in the middle because my spouse is going to realize, Hey, um, I want more or less sex than he or she does. And then vice versa for the other one that right. you end up meeting in the middle because you're both self-sacrificing for your spouse. Right. All right, so this next set of questions revolves around kids. How do you balance life with kids and your marriage and just life in general? What do you do with that? And since I don't have kids, I thought I'd ask you. Both. You got you got Walter though. Walter yeah. can. Walter, Walter, yeah, Walter, Walter's Walter not. Walter's a dog. Yeah, Walter's a dog. <laughs> so I I think some of the questions that came in, you know, like were, how do we have a conversation with kids around, like. And I know at my house, I you know we have a uh, soon to be three year old, soon to be six year old, and it just turned one. And so one of the things that we're learning, because we're we're I mean it's right in the middle of this, is like her and I will be talking, and and it, it might not be like an important thing. It might not be like it could be like super important, and you know we're making dinner and the kids are running around. Um, but one of the things that we've been constantly like working with our kids on is mommy and daddy are talking. Yeah. You know, and we say it 900 times. Yeah. Like, cause and, and like our kids, even they're like, dad, dad. And you're like, Hey, daddy's talking to mommy. Just a minute. Okay. Dad, dad, you know, and it's like, yeah. just a sec, you know? And so I, you're constantly interrupted, but I think, I think there's some, some health to kind of setting those boundaries with your kids and saying like, hold on, like mom and dad are talking. And as soon as we have like finished this moment of our conversation where we can pause, we'll talk to you. Um, but give us a second. So, I mean, we totally have this figured out in our house. Right. Because <laughs> you have teenagers now. And that, yeah, that's oh, all they do is talk, right? So not, I mean, <laughs> and, and our, our, our kids know this about themselves. There's Some of them really like to know everything that's happening. <laughs> not pointing any of them out. Uh, twins, but there's, um, uh, the reality is they, uh, they do like to know what's going on and, and, uh, they're great at, at holding confidence and stuff. I mean, it's not like we don't think they're good secret keepers, but we have a lot of conversations that are confidential right. and it's not just at home. It could be, we're in a conversation after church with someone and they can't just run up and, and stand there waiting, you know, do the hand on your leg or whatever, you know, they're too old to do that. Right. That'd be weird. That'd a be teenager weird. walks up. Excuse me. Dad. It's weird just Dad, with you touching Dad, James. Yeah, it is kind of fun. But the, uh, what else? But, the <laughs> but they do that, you know, you can teach them that when they're little and then they, they but they still, you just got to go, you know, you might wait at a distance where you can't hear the conversation because it's right. something you just really, it, it, right. you don't need to know what we're trying to help people. And, uh, but sometimes we're having a confidential conversation. What, what about? And so you have to say, well, it's just all training. It's leadership. Parenting is leadership. Right. And you're just like, well, sometimes you don't have to know all the conversations we're having. Um, 
but we need to have this one right now. So if you could just give us some space. Well, you know. I think it goes back to what we talked about last week with don't be a wedge. And I think it's, I think it's really easy, you know, cause there's times where it is easier for Ange and I to just let our kids talk than it is to continue the conversation that we're having. Yeah. And I, I think there's times where, I think there's times where it's, that's okay to do. Where like you can you can put a pause because it, it might not be a serious conversation, um, it might not it might just be a, a quick story that you're telling that they you know want to say something and, and they want and, and leave. Um, but I think there's a lot of times where it's easy to let your kids wedge in and just say it's easier to let them wedge in than to say stop. We need to have this conversation. Just give us a couple minutes. We'll come talk to you. We'll be ready. And I think that I think it's easier to let them wedge in. And we just kind of go, whatever. Yeah. So if the guy with no kids might chime in, <laughs> um, I know like for me and Danny, when we look at different couples who have kids or like just had kids or whatever, sometimes we're like, wow, like that's crazy. <laughs> um, but even it happens as kids get older, when you talk about the ways that they're pulled in millions of different directions, like parents, like whether it's, you know, you got to go to soccer games, you got to go to basketball games, you got to take them to school, band practice, whatever, like the mm -hmm. extracurricular things is, is that sometimes like we've noticed it really looks like people's lives start revolving, not around like themselves and God, not around themselves and their spouse, right. but really like about okay, now my life revolves around me and maybe one kid or me and like my kids. I'm going to worry about them before I worry about like our, yeah, my spouse. And important. so how do you manage that? I was reading just in a devotional the other day just about how kids actually grow up with more confidence in their families and stuff when they know that their parents put a priority yeah. on their yeah. relationship yeah. versus knowing that like they're number one. And yeah. so the same thing, like even on a spiritual way, like, when they know that their parents really care about their relationship with God over even their relationship amongst them and as spouses. And then like on a third rung down there is like my relationship yeah. with my kids. And so just like, how do you balance that out? How do you actually practically work that out when you have to get your kid to a soccer practice or you got to go watch a basketball game on the weekends? Like, how do you do that? Well, I, uh, one thing I always uh, read and don't always practice. I've read this, uh, and I try to remember it, but it's hard with four kids. Because when you walk in the door, you are, let's, I mean, I'll just be open. There's noise from the moment right. we get home until the moment they're in bed. Right. And we just embrace that. It's a kind of our moment to listen and be a part of their life. So we don't, we're not on our technology, most of all. Right. Uh, and so, but the, uh, I'll walk in and, and first give Dana a hug and kiss. Mm -hmm. I just, you know, it's like, they're, you're communicating, I'm, I'm, I'm here I'm home. I love you. Okay, kids. Right. Right. And if they see that love, if they see that communication, if they see that connection, that's healthy. Um, versus it'd be real easy. Like in our home, Preston would be the first one to run up and hug me. Right. You know, so I don't, that's not always successful. Right. Or, or Jaden, you know, the, the littles will run up, but, and then there'll be stories to be told by everybody. And, right. and so I just think that that's, you learn to manage that even when you're going different directions, you learn to do things as a family as much as possible. Sometimes they hate it, especially the older ones going as a family to something. Right. But you do it. And I think, I think it's important, you know, and I think, I think empty nesters find this out, you know, some find it out the hard way of like when, when your kids are gone, 
then it's just like you two again, you yeah. know? And for, and for some empty nesters, it's been 20 years since it was just those two, you know? And so now like you're, it's like, you're like, do I even know who you are? You know, because you've been this 20 years of just a blur of soccer games and basketball and plays and ballet and science projects and homework and all this stuff. Um, and so I think, it, I, I do think it's important that you, you don't let kids wedge in and you realize that like, I'll do anything for my kids, but if it is at the cost of my spouse, like, it's not going to happen, you know? And, and I, it, and that can be really hard for some people to hear, um, you know, that like I put my spouse before my kids, but like, that's the way it works in our house. Yeah. Um, and, and doesn't mean I love my kids less or that I wouldn't, you know, take a bullet for them, but it just means that like, I love their mom because in a few years, it's me and their mom again. It's not me and them and, you know, and there's Angela way over there. Yeah. Our next question is about really, how do you keep the, the dating atmosphere alive in your marriage? And uh, I'm hoping you guys have good answers to this <laughs> because... We suck at this. And I'll just explain. Um, it not, it's kind of an excuse, right? But our kids are like really separation anxiety at a young age. And so we didn't do like the week-long vacations together as often as we should. We're, do, you know, we do, we're, we're going this year. But just the, so that's important. But so our dates changed, I think I would have to say. Yeah. Uh, it went from... Uh, going out to a mo dinner and movies on a highly consistent basis to spending time together, dates in home, uh, you know, each other's dessert, whatever, looking like right. that. And and so I think maybe um, the bachelor or bachelorette can ruin your concept of dating. Yes. And uh, so shows like that make you think a date <laughs> has to be this extravagant moment and we need this every week. And if we don't keep up with everybody else's yeah. dating Instagram posts, you can't afford a helicopter. Right. You can't. So I think that's the pressure. <laughs> but honestly, there's this weird social pressure potentially that yeah. you can put yourself in. When in reality, I go back to some of our favorite dates before we had kids. It was like we would walk through Target together. Yeah. You know? I mean, we're just spending time together. We, so Ange and I, like, I remember, you know, because same thing. Like, when we first got married, we didn't have kids. It was like... We go out and I remember it was probably like Bennett was probably like, and he's our oldest. He's probably like a month old and it was like nine o'clock at night and we, uh, we were watching TV and he's upstairs sleeping. And, and again, like we're only parents for like a month and like this movie we both wanted to see, like came out like the week before and we're like, Hey, let's go. And like, we literally got up off the couch and we're like getting ready. Like, and then we're like. Wait, we have there's that like human upstairs, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, we, have, we have a kid, um, you know, and so like we we try to figure that out a little bit, um, you know. Now that Ange teaches from home, you know, and it's online, like we were able to like, hey, you know, do you want to go like on a little twenty minute like excursion to Starbucks and we'll just get a coffee? But we found out for us that like if we just get the kids to bed and you know we sit down and you know watch a movie or just hang out like you know, play cards, whatever it may be. Like for us, that's like, that, that works, that counts. Yeah. Um, but it, it is super intentional. Like 
it, you know, we, we plan it out like, Hey, the kids need to be in bed by seven thirty today so that we can start the movie at eight and, you know, uh, yeah. you know, kind of have that. And so I think there's intentionality to it. Yeah. So I think like going off of the intentionality, I think the other part of that would be like effort, like just to like, there's like low hanging fruit when you're talking about going on dates. Right. Like, Valentine's Day, your anniversaries, your birthdays. And so, like, sometimes when you hear... At least three a year. Yeah. I mean, Four. So, Mother's, like, Day. Mother's, Mother's Day. Mother's Day, Father's Day. Like, I think, like, yeah. though, depending on how much time has gone by, right. the maybe you might be super busy, maybe kids are coming up, and so... You, that those dates come around and you say, well, we're not going to do anything this year. Just it's not working right. out. And so I think like that can be like crushing to either spouse, depending on like, right. what, especially depending on what their love language is. And so this isn't just about women or men, but just like you, we had, there's a day where everyone goes out on the date <laughs> and we're not doing anything right. that can be crushing. And so I think like when you get to those like things like you have to just say, okay, we're busy, but like, I'm going to make the kids go to bed early and we're going to have a date. I intentionally and put effort in and right. thinking about how I can make this special for my spouse. And so I think like when you start doing that, like for those things and you move on to like, Hey, I'm going to come home from work on Friday and like, I'm just going to treat my wife to dinner. Maybe I have to make it because just our circumstances don't right. allow us to hire a sitter, but like, I'm going to do this. I'm going right. to set it on the table and I'm going to grab a match and light a candle. <laughs> right. Like that's like not hard, but it's intentional, it's intentional and it takes effort. And I think that's the thing that we saw in the survey responses from people of like, yeah. you know, a lot of the women said, just try, like, just like, yeah. it doesn't have to be like this extravagant, like bachelor style, like, you know, where we get the helicopter and fly somewhere and we have this beautiful, like, you know, view of the city and this, you know, extravagant thing. But like, I think a lot of the responses that we got were like, literally just try something in like the romance department or like, I don't like, I, I some of the, some of the responses were like, I've been dropping clues. Like fellas, we kind of have to check in a little bit and like pay attention to what's going on. Well, and you should go from clue to conversation. Right. Here's your permission right here in this, this right. talk. Have go, a talk to yeah, today. <laughs> yeah, go from clues to a conversation because don't assume they're going to get it. Right. You know, and, and I go back, you know, I, I can compare ourselves to others and say our dating life is not near what, like some people are like, you got to have a date night a week. Yeah. Um, but I don't think either of our love languages is quality time. Like right. where for us, it's not going to. But if I help bathe the kids, if I help do dishes, if I vacuum, if I clean the baseboards, if I, to where we're spending time from eight o'clock on versus right. 10 o'clock on, cause Dana's running around doing right. everything, then that yeah. is going to be what kindles the fire of Access our relationship. Service. Access Come service. on, yeah. exactly. You know, and I got the, that down. It all comes down to that intentionality thing. Like if you are intentional about planning something do what you can to make time for your spouse do what you can to be intentional um and i think that goes a really long way yeah um, for your spouse and you know it, it says in proverbs 5 uh 18 let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you rejoice in the wife of your youth and i think that's something that we have to kind of think about like that is remember all the fun times that you had like when you were you know trying to get your wife to love you <laughs> you know yeah. and try like think of all the things you did you know, to try to get her to even go on a date with you or notice you. Like, those were the things that she loved, and that's why you are together. And so, you know, 
Try to be intentional like that again. Yeah. Um, I think is is big. I used to scare Danny. <laughs> I was like jump around the corners. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she would freak out. So I figure I scared her enough already, There's... just like my, my presence. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. I'm in love. <laughs> I'm in love. Yeah. So what you just said is like being a creeper like worked. Yeah. Yeah. For your, if it's you so, know, it could work for you. It could work for you. I guess. Creep on your wife. <laughs> Creep. Hashtag creep on your Hashtag wives. Put that on, on the screen. Wives. Yes. Okay. All right. That's that's good for that one. All right. So this next uh, kind of group of questions, uh, we got uh, some about kind of in-laws and boundaries and kind of how to uh, how to navigate those. And so I remember when uh, right before Angela and I got married, we were uh, talking with. Uh, our pastor, and he said, you've got two options. You can have in-laws as family, or you can have outlaws as family. And like, that was his like advice that like, you can look at them as their, their in-laws or their outlaws. And uh, so I guess the some of the questions that were asked were, how do we create boundaries and how do we kind of, you know, deal with family or, or, uh, you know, people that, that we can either, when we fight, when our, when my spouse and I fight, I automatically go to my family first to, oh, yeah, to get to the, that issue or, you know, maybe, maybe your new in-laws or even your parents don't quite know the boundaries of this new marriage or you could be married for a really long time and they still don't know the boundaries. How do we create boundaries? Yeah. So I think, whew. there's so many aspects. <laughs> I mean, cause one is I would want to talk to, I would want to talk to the in-laws right. or, you know, or the parents, if your kids are getting married in your or they uh, are married or they are married <laughs> and you're, you're trying to figure out like what's what's overbearing for them because um you can easily overwhelm them if you're demanding like be at my house every holiday right. be you know but yet you realize now there's two people in this there's there's a marriage there and, right. and there's grandkids that other grandparents want to see and so you got to have some give and take right. again and figure that boundary out. And again, I, I'd say less assumptions, more conversations, like talk it out right. and don't get hurt feelings when they want space right. uh, and define the space they need. Um, it, I, I thought of a passage that would, would go with this. It's the Colossians three twenty one that simply says, fathers do not aggravate your children, you know, and just the, the reality of parents can, you think of that verse when they're little and maybe you're disciplining them as being something that's aggravating or exasperating, depending on what your translation says. But the truth is uh, we could be the parent or the in-law in the scenario and aggravate a marriage. And that would be dangerous, even more right. dangerous, more aggravating. Yeah. So got to be careful. Yeah. And I just think like you as a couple, you have to think like, what do you want to do? in your marriage, you know, like what is your plan? And you right. have to like figure that out and then, you know, talk to your, your parents or your in-laws from there. And so it gets real messy during holidays. It gets real messy during birthdays and whatever the list could go on and on about all these different things. And you have to decide, okay, what's the plan? What are we communicating together? Um, and so that's where you get back to love is patient, love is kind. Right. You're going to self-sacrifice right. first. So like if we're married, I'm self-sacrificing right. for you. 
and then you have to self-sacrifice also for your families right. and so it could be distance you know like some families live close another family lives far right. away so that's another thing that just kind of like pulls right. on that thing and so it's just one thing you have to figure out is like how are we going to self-sacrifice for each other first and then figure out where we want to go from there right. as far as dealing with our in-laws not our outlaws right really and i think i think we have to remember that like as married people you didn't marry you you and your parents didn't marry somebody you you married somebody yeah. and so like when when there's tension or fighting it's really easy to go back to mom and dad and say like what do i do here and i think there's situations and there's times where that's okay but like if you're going back to mom and dad for everything like that's not healthy like and it, you know it says it in Matthew uh, in Matthew 19 uh, verse five it says uh, is Jesus and he said and this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one since they're no longer two but one let no one split apart what God has joined together and I think those verses are 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 really foundational for like this understanding of like you left mom and dad you're one and so every time you go back to your parents for every issue or every decision that you and your spouse need to make, like you're, you're, you're separating what, what God has brought together. And so not saying that, you know, I think it's important that you seek wise counsel on certain decisions. And especially if you're, you know, I know couples who've had a rough patch and they just unload on their parents. Right. And it makes almost irreparable mm -hmm. uh, damage, damage done when they reconcile their relationship. Right. But now the in-laws still hate this other person. Yeah, because yeah. he did or she did. How could they do this to my baby? Right. Yeah. Right. And so, and you don't I think need, you don't need lawnmowers like that. No. Those are lawnmower parents that are like just mowing everything out from in front of their kids. Okay, so uh, one, one of the questions we got and just some of the conversations we've had over the course of the series revolve around uh, divorce. Um, like, so where am I at with God? Um, some were like, you know, I'm broken over the fact that my relationship right now is in turmoil. Or maybe, hey, I got out of a relationship and I feel happier now. Am I, should I feel guilty? You know, just kind of processing through uh, what this series brought up in conversation and all that. So I look at uh, addressing these and it's like, I'm reminded that scripture is an equal opportunity offender. So I think we can read some blanket verses and make a lot of people feel uncomfortable. <laughs> um, you know, it's kind of in tackling a subject like divorce scripturally, uh, and, and saying, man, there's, there's grace here. There's right. mercy here. There's Christ went to the cross for sin, right. but as well, there's truth here that we have to, to deal with if, and how do we process that? We, we right. see that God's perfect plan is, uh, that, you know, we're a, a husband that saves ourselves for, for one wife or one wife that saves herself or one husband, but what happens when the plan crumbles? And right. so that's kind of what we're facing. Right. And that, I think that's where we kind of find ourselves a little bit is that obviously as we talk about divorce, there's extenuate, like we can't pinpoint every circumstance, you know, I mean, cause you can look at situations of adultery and you can look at situations of abuse and different things. And, and, you know, I think all of those kind of 
are case by case to a degree um, when it comes to this idea of divorce. And, you know, I think all of us have seen both sides of it where, you know, you've had a couple that maybe there was adultery and they got divorced and, you know, the, the Bible talks about that and, and how that, uh, to, you know, was okay. Um, but we've also seen the, probably a, a more holistic picture of, of Jesus and sin and the cross and, you know, resurrection when we've seen adultery and reconciliation. Um, you know, and so I think when you look at the scriptures, there's multiple places where it talks about divorce. Um, you know, and for example, Luke 16, 18 says for, uh, for example, a man who divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery. And anyone who marries a woman divorced from her husband commits adultery. And so, like... So that's one of those... <laughs> right, uh, right. That's, yeah, turn like, it. Right. I mean, that's, that's like a straight, like... I mean, that's a gut punch. And that's yeah. where we need community and we need people that, uh, you know, when we hear a verse like that, it hurts. Like, it hurts. It, it physically hurts. Um but the good news is yeah. that we also see grace in that. Yeah. Um, you know, and you know, in Romans eight, you know, we, we spent a lot of time in Romans, you know, late last year. You know, in Romans eight, it says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purposes for them. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who could ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give, uh, give us everything else? Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day and we're being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so I think we, in, in those verses we see, you know, we, we read in Luke and there's that <laughs> gut punch. Um, you know, and we, we look at it, it's sin. We sinned. God's heart, God's plan is broken uh, in divorce. Um, but we also understand that Jesus gives us grace and that Jesus is our way back to God and that no matter where our sin is at or where uh, there's brokenness and hurt in our lives, the whole reason Jesus went to the cross was to forgive us for our sins and, and give us a relationship back with God. And, you know, he rises again, conquering evil, death, and sin, and giving us grace upon grace upon grace, new life, love, hope, peace, joy, um, you know, all these things. And, and I think that's where we have to land on this divorce thing a little bit, is it, it breaks God's heart and it's sin, but yet Jesus has come to give us grace where we need grace. Yeah. I, I, I've always resonated, because really when I first resonated with the forgiveness that Jesus provided for me was in First Corinthians six, mm -hmm. um, and you know we read of divorce or the one who it participates in it is the right. adulterer, and I go, man, I had to have been an adulterer before I found Jesus, you right. know, and and just kind of looking at at 
the list of sins which I've broken and just feel like right. I've owned those and and the one in the circle, right? Uh, in First Corinthians six, but then it says the same thing as Romans eight. It just says some of you were once like that. But you were cleansed, you were made holy, you were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of the living God. So I just think that we're in this position where it's like, there's, we shouldn't let the enemy give us, like weigh upon us guilt right. because we've messed up. We mess up, we're new every day as mercies are new every day. And we start aligning our lifestyle to scripture versus trying to get scripture to endorse our lifestyle. Right. And uh, and take the steps forward, walking in that grace. I think we can find freedom and not feel guilty about our happiness, right. which maybe um, some of the questions or conversations revolved around that. Right. Yeah, and I think it's just a lot of it is that verse we read last week is, as far as it depends on you, right. be a peacemaker. And like that's what, like when you read Jesus' teaching, a lot of it is blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those that are hurt. And so there are some people sitting here today that are like in that moment of like deciding about divorce and you like look at it and say, not because of anything that I've done. Right. Like I'm willing to work. I'm willing to put in 110% of the effort to make this work. But my spouse just doesn't want to like do that with me. Right. And so I think that's where you, we still have grace to walk through those yeah. situations and it's just but like to keep like as far as it depends on you no yeah. matter what and it's just that circle where you're just continually whatever depends on me i'm gonna work on who i am in christ i'm gonna work who i am with i know who god has made me to be and i'm gonna work at my marriage right and just to walk that's like that's walking in the truth that's walking in the grace where you read the passage of luke that is truth and it hurts but you also read the passages in romans where it's grace and it comes to let you sustain where you're walking truth and grace, truth and grace, where like you're moving forward in that. Right. Well, and you're not damaged goods. Right. You're loved. Right. Like, and I, and so you don't, well, you know, I, I'm, I guess I went through a divorce on damaged goods. No, Jesus loves you. Right. You know, and I think grasping that's important. All right, uh, so that's the conclusion of our FAQ here at Open Life about marriage. And it's also the conclusion of our homework series. And so we hope you've enjoyed, you've been resourced, and you've been helped in your marriage. And so what we wanted to do, just a quick like thing, to just tell you about some of the resources that we use during the course of this series. And so the first thing, one of the things that I read and went through was a book called You and Me Forever. It's by Francis and Lisa Chan, talking about just prioritizing God first in your relationship and then going from there. And then really anything by Shanti Feldhahn, we've used her many times in the past for our marriage resources, and so we use it again. And if you go on version today, a free devotional for you to walk through with your spouse, it's a good like chunk of devotional every night and some scriptures to read together, it would totally help you. If you have no problems, you don't have that problems to like resource your marriage, and so just something you and your spouse could look at even today. I think I got a lot out of Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. It was really uh, insightful just to refresh on that. We had read Five Love Languages for our kids before, but I had not read the book in the context of marriages, communication with our partners, and just figuring out, man, how do I, 
uh, speak the right language, I might be off. I might be doing the wrong thing here. Uh, so that was helpful. And it kind of went along the lines as well of the book, His Needs, Her Needs, How to Secure and Affair Proof Marriage. I'd read that way before getting married so that I could be the best me that I could be uh, before marriage. And uh, that was a, a really uh, helpful refresh too. I dove into that just a little bit when we were getting into the series. My wife and I first got married, we read Sheet Music uh, by Dr. Kevin Lehman, and uh, that was a great book. Uh, we've read it since. It has nothing to do with actual music. It's it, a play it's on words. different sheets. Different sheets. Uh, and so uh, grab that book. It's a great book. You're going to love it. Um, and then like we had said, and we've mentioned and we've talked about, yeah. we're asking you to pray uh, for for reengage, we've mentioned it. You can go to marriagehelp.org right now if you need immediate help. But we're launching a very critical ministry uh, to marriages in the fall. So don't give up on your marriage. Like if you're in the midst of like the worst season ever in your home, uh, we really feel like uh, the Lord has put something in our hands, a resource that can help marriages but it takes preparation. So we're in that there. season of preparation to get there. Uh, and in August, we'll be opening up this opportunity for ministry that will really help those couples that want to enrich their marriages right. or uh, restore their marriages. And uh, it's doesn't matter where you're at in the spectrum. Yeah, it doesn't matter where you're at in the spectrum. You gotta be married. For a yeah. while. That's the... Yeah, that's about it. That's about it. And then finally, the Bible. <laughs> I mean, uh, that's a good one. <laughs> And uh, just every week, like, we are here to pray. So we don't, like, you're not just writing those things on a Connect card and we don't throw them away. We keep them. We pray over them uh, weekly. And so if you got stuff going on, write those on a Connect card and we'll be praying for you uh, genuinely as a staff uh, for the things that you're walking through in your marriage. So we do that. Uh, we don't take it lightly or for granted. In fact, we're going to do that now. Somebody's... One of us probably jumping up right now to do that. Yeah. Walking up.